0: Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, Corey Lovejoy shares from the midst of her recent transformation to becoming a trans woman. Join us as I discover how much there is for me to learn about loving myself, my body, and confronting my female privilege. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Corey Joy, thank you so much for being here and doing this with me.
1: Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, I am just acutely aware of how much there is that you have to contribute which i know is not quite i mean telling your story is going to be a part of this but like you've already said things to me that have had me look at my femininity and who i am as a woman in a completely different light and i've done a lot of work in that area so like i'm just excited about where we end up going in this conversation
1: yeah that's that's awesome thank you for that yeah i think that you know i have maybe a different vector a different viewpoint into the feminine. Yeah. And so I've had several people tell me that exactly what you said, that it's just changed their view. And I think that that's awesome. Like, I love that. It's humbling and it's like, what? A, well, that's a fabulous legacy to leave if that's all it ends up being. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you've had quite a year or two. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's an understatement. (laughs)
0: Understatement of the century. Yeah. And so you want to tell us a little bit about your journey the last two years?
1: Yeah. Well, there's obviously a bunch leading up to this, but I think, you know, the part that's relevant to being trans is that it actually first started in a plant medicine ceremony that I participated in, and it was my first one. And you know, up until that point, I had done a lot of personal work. I felt like a lot of meditation, a lot of just, I did a really intensive master's degree program that was cohort based, that was a really great container for personal growth and personal development. I have some really close friends to this day that were in that program. And so I felt like, you know, I'd been on this, like, and, and almost always on this journey of self discovery. And that led me to the plant medicine. And just from the very first experience with the plant medicine, I felt this like overwhelming energy that I could only describe as the feminine. And it didn't feel personal at that point. It just felt like a rising of a feminine energy. And I was aware of this. I mean, I just like, I saw it on the sort of the global scale of like, yeah, well, women have been marginalized and sexualized and objectified and and you know discriminated against and left out of leadership roles and opportunities and so it's like and you know as a, a husband to just an amazingly powerful you know divine goddess who just is the epitome of the divine feminine and and a father of a daughter who is just you know amazingly wise i was just tuned into this and and so i just saw it as this like rising kind of need for this global feminine energy. But as I continued to do these cl- plant ceremonies, they it became more personal and mm-hmm. it, it became more of an embodied experience. And I realized, oh, this is an aspect of myself that, you know, obviously I'm projecting out onto the world, but that's it's projecting and has projected back out into me. And I'm just... Like becoming more and more aware of of this oh this is an energy that I need to accept that yeah. we need to accept at at every every level and of course I have all sorts of baggage and beliefs about this view of femininity that comes from like this male perspective which I was very well steeped yeah and and in the tox- and I believe it's a you know it's a toxic view on the feminine. I'll just say one more thing. I could get a little talky, but, you know, I mean, I think that toxic male view of the feminine portrays it as a weak, portrays it as something that's to be used, to be objectified, sexualized. And I think ultimately men are scared of the feminine. I think like historically, this toxic, weak masculine is intimidated and ultimately terrified of the feminine energy. And so this is like the the response Whereas I think we need, you know, everyone needs more healthy relationships. With and I the think feminine.
0: it's, we, we reference it as the toxic male because that's the perspective, but it's become so ubiquitous in our culture. I mean, I'm guilty of it. And I am a believer in wanting to heal the feminine, have more of the powerful feminine available in my own life. But I watch like, I'm going to totally tell one on myself, which is so when Biden started appointing his cabinet and people at the heads of state, and I was watching how many women were getting appointed, there was a voice in my head that was like, are they really up to the job?
1: Yeah.
0: That is not, That's nothing to do. It's like literally straight programming. That's that where that came from. And I had like an inherited neurologic bias when I would look at the images and I'd look at the names and it said Karen and not Ken and it said Susan and not Sam. And there was some part of even in my brain just like programming that was like, huh, really? Are you sure? Should we have so many women? And I'm like, I caught myself in it when I was watching, you know, reading through the news. And I was like, where is that coming from? Given that it's literally contrary to what I would say my beliefs are. And yet it's like, so embedded still in the way that we view women and powerful women and not powerful women and femininity as a whole.
1: Yeah, totally right. And I mean, those those, I, you know, I, I believe like, to me, it's like that noise in our head, like what has been what we've absorbed growing up and what our culture tells us. And I think there's like, I think what the plant medicine and, you know, sort of years of meditation and introspection allowed me to do was like, notice those voices, notice that, Become aware of just that and say, look, that's not authentic to me. Like yeah. it's you know, I hear that, I am thinking that, and that's not me. And and so, you know, what that allowed me to do was go more, get out of my head and go more into my body and and sense like a more authentic voice that's like, no, this is this is powerful, it's wise, it's brilliant, creative energy. That is patient and nurturing, and loving, and it's and it's healing, Mm -hmm. and so for everyone. Yeah, and uh, yeah.
0: But not everyone that goes into plant ceremony comes out and decides to make a massive transformation in becoming trans. So there's more to the story for you of it becoming personal and what it awoken in you.
1: Yeah, where I mean, I mean, I think it. You know, I I think the plant medicine and all of this personal work just. You know, if done right, takes us to what we need to see, what we've been ignoring. And so, you know, I mean, this is, I guess, an invitation to tell just my story about being trans. And so I guess, you know, it starts with, well, I'll just say unlike any other, you know, I've heard many, many trans people say that they felt like a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body or, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's, I think, very common story. And I never felt that way. I never, that, my transness never manifested itself that way. The only thing I was aware of from a young age was just wishing I was a girl Mm -hmm. and being just like fascinated with the feminine. I had a best friend who's old, had an older sister and best friend, you know, then, uh, uh, you know, like these two, you know, teenage girls that I, you know, grew up seeing and and just like, you know, classmates and stuff, just, you know, absorbed in the feminine and very, that's how I experienced it. It was just this kind of wish. And to me, that felt pathological. It felt wrong. I didn't know anybody else that thought that. I mean, I remember going to the Nutcracker when I was very little and, like, seeing the ballerinas and stuff up there and the princess and just being like, wouldn't that be awesome? Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's what I want to be when I grow up is a princess. Yeah. You know, and that's, like, there was no – I I didn't know any – that just seemed wrong, you know. So I just, like, and I felt embarrassed and ashamed about that. And uh, my mom – the only other thing that comes up is my mom tells a story, and I don't even remember it. She just tells me of the first time I went – or well, maybe not the first time, but she took me to a shoe store, and I wanted girl shoes. But for me, it was just this kind of longing or this desi- desire, a pull towards the feminine. And so, what happened that plant? This is a different plant ceremony, but you know, i have done a series of these, and the, the the one that was pivotal was one where I got what I call a download from the universe. I call them downloads from the universe. I mean, they're, it's, I hear these voices and they've, they're like pithy little instructions that have been very, very good to me. And you know, I don't know if it's my authentic voice, my subconscious, or God or the universe. I just yeah. calm down. Higher consciousness. I yeah. I
0: similar similar experience over here too. Yeah, for sure. So
1: this, you know, I'm in this one ceremony with my very good friend, uh, very best friend in the world, and he, you know, we were there in the desert alone, and just him, he and I, and and I heard this like very audible voice that said, "You're a girl." And. You know, I had a, a, before then I hadn't ever, I had a friend that was, I got to know, he's actually an intern at our company who is trans. And so I was aware of trans and, but me, like, I wasn't gay because I was always attracted to women. And, you know, it's like, and I, and I didn't really know what trans was. I didn't think I was trans because my experience was so different than what I had heard other trans people say. So I was like, I didn't know what this was. But when it said, you're a girl, when the voice said, you're a girl, I'm like, well, oh, that would make sense. Well, okay. If I'm a girl, well, that would explain if I am meant to be a girl inside of me, which is like this, like what it felt like is, is like, oh, this longing. It's like, oh, well, that would explain it. Like if that's your authentic self, like that's why you would wish, Mm -hmm. wish for that and long for that Mm -hmm. and desire that. And, and so that's kind of what happened. And that was in July of 2019 and at that point I remember just before that ceremony I was thinking oh my life's perfect like I have this amazing wife these two amazing kids I had this amazing job as the director of compassion at a wealth management firm I was putting on compassionate leadership summits that were wildly successful people were reaching out to me I was teaching a class at Washington State University and I'm just and I'm like my life just felt like, you know, on the surface, perfect. It was like everything that I had wanted, I had. Yeah. Everything. Except for that little <laughs> nagging voice that said, you know, you're a girl. Yeah. And you want to be one. And and so, and I, it's like I tried to outrun that. I tried to like ignore it and push it down and I, you know, distract myself and I did a very good job with addictions of all sorts started out like addictions of sports. I was an endurance athlete. And I, you know, like in midlife, I got back into cycling. I took it to a very high level mm-hmm. just because I like obsessed about it. And with work, I mean, I just get into these things intense because if I can occupy all my mental capacity, I don't have to like... And
0: those little voices don't come up. That's they don't come I up. Yeah. I, can, like, I you know, often tote myself as a recovering workaholic and that Getting diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome has been the best thing that's ever happened to me because it was the universe just literally putting the brakes on in a way that I don't think I ever would have sorted out myself. But now my body just has a certain capacity. But one of the hardest parts is when I take that much needed rest and I really slow down multiple days in a row, (laughs) all the hidden, like, whatever I haven't been looking at whatever I haven't been dealing with whatever I've been ignoring like emotionally and mentally like they're like little bubbles that start to come out of the organic decay at the bottom of the lake and they're like do, 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 that's oh, right hey, what about me bloop and some of them are consistent and there's themes to them and it's like when I get quiet it pops back up again so I can completely get that
1: yeah yeah and it just it manifested itself as like you know, running from it or distracting myself from it, avoiding those voices. And I think when I finally sat down and, and learned sitting meditation and, and mindfulness to see those, then, you know, I started to trace those bubbles back to their source. See them, yeah. see the patterns and get curious about them and be like, well, I wonder where those are coming from. Yeah. And sitting meditation. So it really, like my journey ultimately is like a journey of self-compassion because you know, I got so into compassion and, and trying to become a more compassionate person and more empathic person and realizing that like, I didn't, I didn't like myself, mm. right? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like my body. I, you know, I had this great life, but I didn't, let I loved, I loved the people around me and I, you know, I, I just, but I didn't love myself. And, you know, I mean, as, as RuPaul says, you know, honey, if, you can't love yourself. How the hell are you going to love anybody else? Yeah. You know, can I get an amen up in here? <laughs> you know, amen. Yeah. So, yeah. so like that, so it's really been like at some level, a journey of, of self-compassion to just build us. And then I think that when I teach compassion and, and, and mindfulness training, I do think that just sitting with yourself and being still and holding space for yourself is the ultimate act of self-compassion because I think of it like this, you know, if a loved one comes to you and says, oh, I've lost my mother, my husband or partner or whatever, and, you know, they've passed away and it's like, what can you do or say in that moment? I mean, all you can do, you know, the most compassionate thing you can do is hold space for your friend and just be there yeah. and witness that and and, and, and hold them and whatever they need to process. And that's the same one, that's self-compassion. Like we just need to be able to sit with ourselves and witness our, you know, witness this part of ourselves that just needs to suffer or grieve and, and allow that to happen and allow that emotion. And rather than get caught up in the story they had it, like I to me it's like a a journey of embodiment of like feel like allowing myself, turning off the my mind enough to allow myself to feel that energy in me and just let it and witness it and let it process. Yeah. Yeah. And there's thoughts associated with that energy. I like to think of emotions as thoughts plus feelings. And, but, you know, for so long, I just was so caught up in my head. I never connected with, with the feeling. And I think that that's part of what the feminine energy in me is like.
0: So do you experience yourself as happier? more whole now? Has that happened? Are you still like, where are you in the journey at this point?
1: Well, I'm learning to love myself. Mm-hmm. So I am happier uh, in some senses, you know, like I've, I do love myself more. Unfortunately, it feels like it's come at the cost of of a lot of things. I loved in, in particular, my life with my wife and my family, my two glorious children and a sweet puppy, you know, so there's a deep, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. But I mean, just in with relation to my work and to like, I was got to the point And so that, you know, I, where I said my life was perfect in 2019, like at that moment, I wasn't happy inside. And you know, that like, you know, I felt hollow inside and everything, just my life just kind of crumbled from the inside out. It yeah. got hollowed out. So the last thing that crumbled was like the stuff on the surface, but it, it literally, I experienced like this huge shift in my life while everything stayed stable. Yeah. And eventually this thing broke to the surface, the whole thing shattered and I left a lot of damage. You know, it's like, it wasn't an elegant thing. I mean, I, you know, I, we call it transitioning, but I think the transformation is a better word and the transformation is huge and it's been monumental for me. And And it, you know, it was messy. It got messy. And
0: transformation comes with death and decay and losing and ending things as other things can get reborn or born, period. But that's, yeah, I mean, any transformation in my life has not, there's always been all aspects to it. And I, I mean, that's something I've gotten a lot from my experiences in ceremony and with meditation is recognizing how much I push away Anything disorderly, <laughs> you know. It's like I think I can get through personal growth without ever making a mess of anything. I, at, least, at least I tried for a really long time, and I've had coaches all the way through to my spiritual work, where that's come up a lot. Which is, you know, it's it's allowing things to get messy and trusting yourself to work through them.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's. I mean, I think that. I think we cling to what we know, right? And even if it's, you know, even if it's a dysfunctional story. I mean, we're. I think as human beings, we are so scared of the unknown, and so we only know what we know. And so, like, I think it is. I think that's what happened. Is like it, it, as my life crumbled around me, I got to the point where I was like trying to figure out how to kill myself, not if. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the right way to do this? I was ready to just like. I'm like. I was saying to myself. I have had a good life. Like, I'm successful. I'm only causing suffering here. Like, what can I do? I can't be what I want to be, which is a woman. That feels impossible. Yeah. And so I'm I'm ready. I'm done. I was just like, it was just as a cool calculated thing, calculus of like, okay, yeah, like, I'm done. I'll just end this and, you know, how best to do it. And I was not afraid in the least bit. And then like one night I was drunk and you know, probably high and very depressed. And, and I heard this same voice, you know, this download and the download said, Corey, you're clearly, you're not afraid to die. Like that's evident. Why are you afraid to live? And I'd always sort of like fancied myself as this courageous person and not like in leaning into fear. And so, and my name, Corey actually comes from the French word core, which means heart, which is courageous wholeheartedness, which is just like leaping in. And f- t- that's what it means to me. So that like sparked something in me and a, like an ego, like, like who you calling scared, you know what I mean? I'm not scared, but it, but it was yeah. true. But it, Cause I looked at it and it said, you know, I was scared because, you know, I, I was scared to really live. I didn't know, I knew what was, I knew and I had a sense for what could end. i didn't know it was going to end but i knew the risks i knew that you know i'm putting my marriage at risk my job at risk my everything at risk like it felt like the most terrifying in the thing in the world to say to people i think i'm trans i want to be a woman i think i'm a woman like i didn't even know the language but to just start to like allow myself to think this and talk to about it and and actually say maybe this is a possibility That was terrifying because I knew, like, it was like I could lose everything. I felt Mm -hmm. like I could lose everything. But then you're at the, and so I'd rather, like, sometimes we stick to this stuff, you know, it's like, I'd stick to that old world because at least we know it. Yeah. And the unknown is terrifying because we can't imagine, I can see just the blankness or the void, like the darkness, and I'm terrified of the darkness. But anyone who tells you, you know, that when they've gone into that darkness and leaped into the darkness, that it's not empty. No. That it's, that's where the love, that's where the love and the life comes up. So what you, what happens is when you leap into that darkness is like new life comes up, but you can't see it. No. You know, cause you can't, no. you can't imagine it because it's so out, it's a new level of consciousness. It's a new thing. And so you, I've, so I've just gotten kind of like addicted now of just like leaping into that unknown, like saying, oh this is terrifying, and doing it. Yeah. So, Because, like, I mean,
0: we look at the timeline, then, from that July 2019 to its, you know, spring 2021, that's not actually a lot of time, in some senses, for... for, I mean, you're out. You're public. Oh, I'm way out. You're way out. You're living as a woman. You've created, you know, and, and, and there is this, you know, because I... We met just... At the impetus of this beginning before yeah. you had even begun to start to express it outwardly. and But like for me, it's like this is who you are. I mean, they, they, you know, there's there's nothing else for me. Some of that's timing, but some of that is I think actually not just about that. I think it's because this is who you are and you're now, you're, you know, it's kind of cliche, but our insides and our outsides, matching that up, truing that up. And this expression that's coming out of you is like so clear to me. There's no... I mean, not that my opinion is the point, but like it just out here outside of you, like I'm like, and she's out.
1: Of course. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think that's, I mean, thank you for that. And, and I mean, I feel as a good friend of ours said last night, you know, you've taken to this, like a fish to water. And I mean, I really, really, I started to like really transition seriously, like, you know, and from my outward perspective and present more and more feminine was like in the summer of last year. Mm Mm-hmm i started to take the started HRT in August, like very early August, late July, and uh, you know started to you know dress more and more in the way I wanted to dress, which was very feminine. I love everything feminine. I love it all: the shoes, makeup, hair, nails eyeshadow, like name it, addresses. And I love it. And and that's, I've had that experience a lot of people just say, oh yeah, like it was a little weird at first, but then it's just like, this is you. It's so clearly you. And it's like, nothing in my life feels like it's come naturally to me. It always feel, has felt like a fight. Like I've mm-hmm. just like, like a battle, like everything, sports and work, I felt like I just had to like chisel away at it. And this, nothing has felt so naturally authentic to me. And, and so... You know, I've just, I really feel like this was meant, this was so meant to be. And that's the evidence, because my voice, I still have those voices in the head. And you asked my question about, you asked the question about, like, you know, how do I feel about myself now and happier? And, you know, I think on average, I'm happier in a day-to-day living where, like, I love, like you know, there was that time, and this is where I got off track, is there was a time when, you know, I was going to bed wishing I wouldn't wake up. Yeah. Because I'd made a commitment not to kill myself, but I could wish I couldn't wake up. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's still, right. I didn't, it, yeah. I made a commitment not to kill myself to some very important people, but it didn't make me want to live anymore just because right. I said, well, you know, so it's like, you know, maybe, I, maybe this will happen for me and I can be, you know, clean hands. But but, you know, I, I, as I started to, you know, I, I, as a, and the voices are still there. The voices just say, because when I imagine a trans person, what I imagine, like the voices in my head, I go to like, I have some dark places in my head. And what I've learned is that, you know, my mind, and this, this comes, quote comes from a very good friend of mine, is my mind is like a bad neighborhood. You shouldn't go through it alone. Because these voices I hear are very loud and it takes a lot for me to calm down and still to, and hear that inner voice. And so I still have this very loud voices that said, you know, you're a freak, something's wrong with you, no one loves you, you're ugly, et cetera, et cetera. I was just having this conversation yesterday with yeah. you and this friend and who's like, who's been my mother, Kate, who's just taking me under her wing, but just reminding me that, you know, you like you can't listen to those voices. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing, and so I'm paying more attention to the feedback that I'm getting. Good. And the yeah. feedback I'm getting is like, yeah, you're good at this, like you know, I work at Nordstrom now. I mean, three months ago when I got to Salt Lake City, I was terrified to go into Nordstrom. I was, I went through Nordstrom and I went through there quickly because it's like, I don't belong here. And three weeks later, I'm getting an offer. I'm offered a job in customer service and I'm like as floor ambassador, store ambassador, where I walk around and I greet people. Like I'm the face of Nordstrom when you walk in at City Creek Mall, high-end mall in, in Salt Lake City. And and but it's because it's like, it just it lit up in me, right? Yeah. And it it felt. And I just have to like. And the voices say this is crazy. Now I'm a shop girl. I got promoted to the fragrance. I sell fragrance. I'm, I'm studying to become a personal stylist. I take people shopping. I love personal style. I've started a uh, Instagram account. I get feedback all the time. People tell me I'm gorgeous and I'm pretty and I have and I'm really good at outfits and they love shopping with me and i love it i mean right. i think it's awesome and and i come at it it's not for me cuz i'll try to land this plane for me back to the feminine it's not like yeah i love the clothes and the shoes and the dresses and the makeup to me, that helps me feel the divine feminine. That connects me with the feminine. And for other people, that's just, those are all symbols of the patriarchy and broken or wounded. I should have said before, I don't like the word toxic masculinity. I like wounded masculine because I think that's more accurate accurate because it comes from wounded place. And if you can do that, you can have compassion for, and I realize that I embodied the toxic masculine, but believe me, it there's many, many well-intentioned men out there that are toxic, but it's because they're wounded and haven't yeah. had the opportunity the to, to do the The toxicity is
0: impacting them as much as anyone in their yeah. self-fulfilling. Yeah, yeah for absolutely. sure, for
1: sure. So this all feeds on each other. But, you know, for me, so that's how the fe- feminine manifests in me. But, like, that's just my, it's like everyone has to find their own yeah. feminine. And it's just like, f- but for me, what it's more about, and when I go shopping and I take, you know, talk to friends about style and whatever. Style to me is not about what's being fashionable or fitting in. It's obviously not because I'm obviously I'm not fitting into these norms. Fashion for me is about personal empowerment, style. That's why I call it style and not fashion. And it's about like having that congruence, having that, you know, sense that the inside and the outside reflect each other and we're presenting the way that we want to feel. And it is this reinforcing loop because then we look at ourselves in the mirror, we get the feedback, we get affirmed. And so I'm getting a lot of this affirmation and I'm spending more and more time listening to the feedback I'm getting. And, and you know, I tell these, you know, ladies that I, I shop and I talk to style about, it's just like, you know, you know they'll you look at a dress or put on a dress like, oh, I don't like it. it. I don't like the way my arms look in this dress or, you know, I don't know if it's going to be in fashion. When would I ever wear this, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, girl, get out of your head. Like, do you like the way this dress looks? Yes. Put it on. Do you like the way it feels on? And it could be jeans. It could, I'm just taking a yeah. dress. But, and the answer is yes. It's like, that's yours. Like, that's all you need to know. How do I feel in this? And do I like the way I look in this? And it's like, that's per, that's about empowerment. And yeah. so- so for me, it's like love joy style. Like my name's Corey Custer, but I, I am changing it to Corey Lovejoy. And this has been a journey of self-love and, and a joy and, and then finally being able to like truly love others because I can love myself and, yeah. and the joy that comes with that. And style that is just like about personal empowerment and finding our power and our voices and how we want to present in the world.
0: Cuz you and I were having that conversation and you know, I've been in the camp of I hate shopping. You know, most of my life and 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 I didn't even know this was in there until you and I were talking over tea, this old story about being 12 and 13 year old girl cuz I was a downhill ski racer and I skied and skied and skied and I rode horses in the off season and so I had really developed thighs. Like I wasn't, it, it, it's amazing how like, I wasn't even particularly, and this was in the eighties and there was less variance in size in kids at that point, And I couldn't buy girls jeans. I only fit into boys jeans. And I, I don't know, honestly, whether it was chicken or the egg, like, was I already tomboy leaning and that kind of went that way? Or was that part of what had me go? And I remember in one of my, God, I've done so many meditation retreats and personal growth workshops. I'm not quite sure where this epiphany came to me, but I remember coming up against a conversation that said, I'm not good at being a girl, Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna play the tomboy card. And like in high school, I shaved my head and I didn't wear, I had nothing that was like pink or floral. All of my clothes were like baggy skater jeans. And like, I might wear a little tank top or something that was kind of leaning into the feminine side, but like... I didn't do my makeup. I didn't do my hair. Like, I got a nose ring at 15 years old, was just like, you know, part of my kind of pushing the rebellious side of things. And it really wasn't until, quite frankly, late college med school, I would say more med school, 25 years old, that I was around a group of women that were intelligent and powerful and earthy and grounded and beautiful. And I was like, wanted what they had. And that was when I first started like a little leaning. I was in Portland. So, you know... Coming from ski background, it was like that was like one step in the direction of femininity. So like now I had like a khaki skirt (laughs) and I had some like flat Mary Janes. You know, it was like a long way away. And it wasn't then until I moved to Arizona, to Phoenix, Arizona, in 2012, that like my woman as an expression of style started to show up in my life. And again, it was through mentorship from another woman who was great at it, one of my best friends in the whole world. And, you know, you walk into her closet and it's, you know, stiletto shoes as high as the ceiling and these amazing dresses and sweaters. And she just started pulling stuff out of her closet and putting me in it and started also deleting things out of my own wardrobe. She's like, you can't wear that anymore. You can't wear that anymore. But it was all came from love. And it was like, I was 29 years old when I started to step into that space of, tighter fitted dresses and, and power suits and stiletto heels. Now Scottsdale, Arizona helps out a lot too, because there's no ice and most of the concrete is new. So you can walk on flat ground and not trip over yourself. You know, like, I mean, I had been in Bozeman, Montana and I lived in Portland and, you know, but it's just interesting to see this journey in myself reflected back from what you've shared as, as well as like, I can see these decades quite frankly where it was like I moved the needle a little bit more but I had come from an original grounding of you know I wanted to be whatever my driving factors were cool fit in in a particular way and somewhere along the lines like yeah I loved my tomboy side but I seriously am pretty sure there were elements that were grounded in a decision that I'm not any good at doing the girly things so this is my easy out to just dismiss the whole thing and say I'm not interested and it was that story of like remembering how much I hated going shopping because I couldn't fit in to girls jeans and like was that part of sewing that thread into my persona that I eventually started to heal and take apart because now I'm like I love it I love I love all sides like downhill ski racer girl that you know flip-flops and a pair of Patagonia snow pants to like dressing up to the nines and getting to, you know, don a beautiful dress and heels and the whole thing. Although I still notice, I tell myself, I'm not any good at it. I'm like, "Ah, I'm not good at this.
1: That's interesting. I think that's a very common story. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like when, (laughs) like I said yesterday, when, you know, you said, I don't like shopping or whatever. I say, you know, well, you're not doing it right.
0: Yeah. You know, shopping's fun. It's fun. So you're doing it
1: wrong. (laughs) The clothes are fun. So yeah, this not knowing how to do it. Well, I think there's a couple... I mean, this it opens up an interesting whole thing that I've noticed as I've started to make girlfriends, mm-hmm. and it's so I have I have this amazing group of friends now around me and people I talk to, and and you know, like I'm 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 really I feel like I'm just been accepted as a girl in these circles, and so we have different conversations. I do you know I do you know I'm like I, I have this perspective right of having fit in in a man's world and now am fitting into a woman's world and, and relating. And I was, you know, I told you recently that, you know, I was at a girl's party and a girl's a party, you know, all girls, all women. And, and they were like, you know, trying to figure out what their husbands were doing and like, you know, like, you know, kind of man bashing a little bit. And I was, I was like, no, no, let me tell you what they were thinking. You know, so I called it, I called it manslating. <laughs> So I was like, you know, going, I was like going through each of these and sharing, you know, like, oh, this is what he was actually thinking. Like when he looked down and saw you were wearing flip-flops and, you know, and you're on a hike and he was, you know, and you're now you're mad at him for not saying anything. Well, it's because, you know, he's looked down for years and years and seen you wearing impractical footwear and <laughs> knows how it ends when he makes a comment about your shoes. So why is now any different? He doesn't know. It's like, woman impractical footwear I don't get it don't say anything Yep. it's that simple so that's interesting these conversations another one I had is like about women and their bodies and and you know and like them not liking their bodies or I see these gorgeous women who are complaining about oh I wish my you know my cheeks were a little different or I wish my arms were a little skinnier or whatever and, and I just like you know girl check your privilege here because like Listen to me. I have to go. If I look like you, you know, it just it. I just had to. These three, these women I was talking to, and they were like, "I don't like this," and "I don't like that." I'm like, "Shut up! Mm-hmm. You're all gorgeous." Like I, you know, I would like I would give anything, and literally, I kind of am, giving everything to look like that. I mean, the risks we take as trans people, you know, both to our physical safety, but also just, you know, there's side effects to HRT, and for those who, you know. Like where gender affirming surgery is life saving and it often is. I mean, the you know suicide rates in trans people are high, and they go down and they return to normal levels, which are also high. But you know, but but you know, general to the levels of the general population when they get gender affirming surgery, and these are high risk surgeries. So it's like, yeah, people will give a lot to have. Mm -hmm what you have. And so check your privilege. I think of, you know, people who risk their lives and their families' lives to, you know, get across the border for an opportunity. Yeah. And so it's, it's that kind of thing. So it's like, so remember, like, remember the privilege that you have as a woman. And if you're not any good at it, well, that's just a matter of that can be learned. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is it's there, it can be learned and you just got You just, for whatever reason, those voices told you to turn it off or quiet or be ashamed of it. And like you got to the point, you're 29, probably, you know, in med school, like it's like all of a sudden you're like, I'm ready to be whole. I'm ready to be my whole self and not shy away from any aspect of myself. And it's really a journey of wholeness, not just the feminine. So I feel like my, you know, my more you know uh divine masculine side has developed too you know this hasn't gone away but as this divine feminine but I'll just say one more thing about the not being good enough Mm -hmm. or not knowing how to do it. it was the same thing it was like not enough not being good at it and you know this is what Carol Dweck says with mindset is like you know we'll fix you know well we'll train at it work at it and it's not that hard and you can find mentors and you can find people when I first came out to a lot of my good friends, they were all great, and they had an awesome response, and you know, the response was like, congratulations, I'm so happy for you, and I'll love you no matter how you show up. I love who you are, and that was wonderful, and I had one in friend in particular, our, our mutual friend Kate, who had that response, and then the response of, okay, well, we got work to do. You know, because let me, and she knew this intuitively and I've figured this out that there's nothing that I did in my 48 years presenting as a man and living as a man that prepared me for this. So she took me to girl school. Yeah. We call it girl school. Yeah. I came out to Salt Lake City. You, you know, you saw that you were there she taught me how to do my makeup. She took me to Matt Landis, who's a phenomenal hairdresser in town hairstylist, yeah. wonderful man, awesome. And she took me to her friend Lisa, who's an esthetician, and like she just, her her cousin's a model, and she came, you know, surprised me with this, you know, model school, yeah. you know, in how to I'd, carry
0: yourself. How to move, carry yourself, because I'd, you know? I'd
1: said I always wanted to be a model. Like to me, that was the epiphany of like this desired life that I could yeah. never have was this fashion model or be a fashion icon, be a stylist. And so, like this was in October, okay, of last <laughs> yeah. year, and it's April, and you know it's hard. Like I've always been accused of being too too humble, and I'm gonna I'm not. I'm gonna own this. I've gotten good at it. I've gotten good. I get compliments. I work at Nordstrom. I get complimented on, on my outfits. I get complimented on my style. I get complimented on my makeup. And I say that not, I mean, it feels good. I like it and I'm going to own it. And I, and, and that's part of me learning to love myself is listening to the voices around me rather than listening to those indoctrinated voices in my head and saying, okay. And being willing
0: to repeat that stuff. Cause I think that's something culturally that we're like, oh, I'm talking about myself. But I mean, trust me, we could use, what do they say for every 10 negative comments for like in spousal relationships, they say every, every 10 negative things that got said, you know, you have to say a hundred positive things to counterbalance that. It's like a one to 10 ratio, at least. And we might even find it more. Well, think about what goes on inside of our heads. So for all of those thoughts in our head, you know, actually being able to speak it, to own it, to own our power, to own what we're good at, to own what we're not good at, but to be able to speak from that compassionate yeah. place as well. Yeah, yeah. There's,
1: lots of, there's lots of stuff. I mean, that's what this is, is personal empowerment and just like own who you are. And yeah. like, yeah, there's lots of stuff I'm not good at. Tons of stuff.
0: But I think I know where you're going with this. You started in October and it's April and you're good at it. I'm so. good at it. Yeah. I'm at
1: Nordstrom yeah. in Salt Lake City and building. And I'm good at it. I'm good at it. And I, it feels weird for me to say that. But I think like practice it, like practice saying mm-hmm. to yourself, like, I'm beautiful. I'm good at it. I'm a goddess. Like I have another good friend in, in, in Seattle and, you know, it's like we have to remind each other, ladies, that we're goddesses you know, and I think women generally do that pretty well. They compliment each other on our clothes and our makeup and our hair. But I think we can take it up a notch and say, just like, rem- like we need to remind each other that this feminine energy is powerful, it's creative, it's loving, it's nurture- nurturing. And we got to remind each other that we have that power that's in us, that there's like, whether you're expressing it or not, you have that divine feminine in you and it just like wake it up, whatever yeah. that means. And so so girls it turns out that like and Kate was a master, she took me to girl school, but it's like, yeah, I learned a quick face. You know, I buy a lot of my clothes bought a lot of my clothes at consignment so it's so I could play around a little bit and lower stakes. You know, I I I really try to like tune in to what I like and what feels good and not like what I think is going to be like going to fit in or how I'm going to look or is it going to be in fashion but it's just I quiet those voices and so I love it and I love I love like to hear you say that somehow I helped you connect in a more authentic way to yourself and to your feminine side and that's why I do it and yeah. so it's for me it's a spiritual thing like the makeup and the fragrances, because I'm in fragrance at Nordstrom, come see me. I'd love to play <laughs> with the, the fragrance, a little shameless yeah. self-promotion here. But for me, it's as much spiritual and personal development as it is, you know, it's not superficial. Right. Clothes, like, a you know, a lot of people say, well, it's superficial, it's trite, it's, it's you know, but it's not. For me, It's it's that... It is about that authenticity and that congruence and personal power.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, I've noticed it, you know, this last year has given us such an experiment, right? Like I, you know, quarantined for half the year and then very limited social exposure most of the other time. And most of the people I've been around are either family or close friends, you know, at all. And I totally have dropped, I mean, I'm doing it right now into the yoga pants and a zip up hoodie, you know, grab just the next t-shirt in the stack. I don't even look at what color it is. I don't even, it's just like where there was a time where I was doing three, four, five corporate events a week and I was getting dressed up in suits and I was, you know, almost on a regular basis. And it's interesting to notice some of the things that subtly I've watched tip this year. Like I've been more in a conversation of not feeling pretty, not feeling sexy you know, this year than I can ever remember. And I think some of it is just because, I mean, it was just a bad habit. I just stopped and gotten a little bit better about it, you know, but I've looked now for those opportunities. And I mean, yesterday was a classic one. And you said to me, you're like, I get dressed up because I can, you know, I just want to, I get to do this. And, yeah. and the the like appreciation of that. And so yesterday when we were going to meet at our friend's house, I was like, I'm putting a dress on for Corey Joy. <laughs> But it it did something for me. I spent the whole day in this off-shoulder, ruffly blue dress, and like it did shift something. And and I do believe in, you know, yeah, of course we we can deal with the other side of the coin where we get caught up in the superficial of like trying to fit in by projecting something out into the world that doesn't feel congruent, that right. doesn't feel authentic right. to who we are. We're doing it as an in order to. But I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And my mom, who is a starch feminist from the nineteen sixties and seventies, would tell you, she's like, Yeah, we took things a little far, you know, where it went so far into that conversation that we lost. It
1: some became of the... anti-feminine in a right. way. Yeah. And
0: like where I go with it is, you know, my spiritual life, rituals are really important. And rituals are physical activities outside of myself that return me back to a state of being. Yes. And there is a lot of joy for me in the ritual of getting dressed up and the process of how, and like, I have shifted from, you know, I I use this body oil and I love it because it's nut oil. And what I learned from Hawaiians is that that's considered like the nut of enlightenment. Like it's like the oil is, is considered pure light. And so when I use it and I put it on my body, I'm not just like, not paying attention going through, I'm literally like I'm slathering myself in enlightenment and light. Mm -hmm. And I use that as a moment. I don't do it all the time, but to actually think about being grateful for my ankles, being grateful for my calves, being grateful for my body, like actually as if I were not my body, as if I had like, you know, one of the things I say to my clients a lot is, imagine if your body was a relative. And I use relative, not friend, because we tend to pick our friends. We don't get to pick our relatives. And if your body was a relative, a cousin, a sister, a brother, a mother, a father, what would your relationship with that relative be like? Do you even talk to them at all? Do you yell at them? What do you think about them? Like, what Do you even know what matters to them if you asked? And I actually do these exercises with my clients where they get outside themselves and they have conversations with their body and they listen for the intuitive and their body will talk back. Like if you get quiet and you actually like get to that present space and then you ask like, okay, body, what do you want to tell me? It's pretty profound what actually will get returned in communication in their mind's eye. And like, we don't have traditionally a lot of rituals to be grateful. But for me, doing my hair and doing my makeup and getting dressed up in certain clothes and, and bringing that part of myself out is an honoring of my body from like more of a spiritual ritual standpoint than... I've got to keep up with the Joneses or look a particular yes. way. Or, yes, yeah.
1: So I think that's right. I think that, that we did throw the baby out with the bathwater, and there's that sort of view towards fashion and that other of, like you said, that more towards that incongruent way and more towards that congruence. And I just want to say again that you looked – gorgeous yesterday. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> like you were so rocking that dress. Awesome. I just had such body and dress envy. It was crazy. You were mm-hmm. amazing. And I love everything you just said. And I think you're so right and articulated kind of a lot of what I feel and this idea. So for me, it's important to dress up every day because it's like I get to. Mm-hmm. It's a. It reminds me of like that I get to do it, you know, like it's 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 important to me, it feels good, I feel better when I'm made up and, and have a dress on or something nice and it's become that important ritual and reminds me because, you know, like I wake up, I look in the mirror and I, I see what I saw for 48 years, you know. I see my beard, I, you know, whiskers, you know, I see, you know, the male features, I f- see something that's ugly. And that's been embedded, like that's a, you know, that's an, as my friend Kate says, you know, that's a highway, that's a neural pathway that has been very well worn and I have to work actively to uh, get out of that. And so the affirmations, the rituals, I, you know, I have a bunch of affirmations that Kate wrote for me that stuck up on my mirror. You know, we remind ourselves, we got to talk to ourselves and that's self-care, that lotion, mm-hmm. and then the talk you put along with that self, you know, care and self-compassion, that's loving yourself. And it's, it's important. And I mean, Ru- and there's no true word spoke than RuPaul. You know, you got to love yourself before you love anyone else. You know, that's like just the truth is. But it's like... So I think you just listen for that inner voice. It's like what do I what do I want to express today, you know? And and I think I get this a lot. Like a lot of women are like I want to dress up but I don't have the occasion or whatever. I'm like what's the occasion? You're the occasion. Yeah. You are the occasion. Great. You dress up for somebody. A good friend of mine at the Ivy. The Ivy's a phenomenal Restaurant and and bar in town, and their people there are super awesome. I go there a lot, and they're super welcoming. I've just found Salt Lake City to be very welcoming, and and particularly you know some businesses. But anyway, she she said that you're the occasion, and I says, I, I love that. that. I'm like, can I take that? And it's like you know you would dress up for a friend, you would dress up for a friend's you know it's like what's important if a friend's wedding. You know, there's a day of celebration. Well, for me, I get to celebrate that I'm alive because I feel like I'm in bonus time. Mm. I feel like I could have easily killed myself many times. And I am very conscious of the choice that I make to live. You know, a lot of people like, oh, I have to go to work. Mm. I have to get dressed up. I have to whatever. And I'm just like, I get to. Yeah. I get to, and it's, it's, it's a privilege. And it's like, every day I get to be, express the feminine in me. I mean, as difficult as like it's been this last year, and I think that was your first question, was like, it's been quite a year, your first statement. And it's like, yeah, it has. As difficult as it's been, though, I am happier because I'm exercising my personal responsibility and my choice and being conscious. I'm happier because I'm owning this life, and I'm not at the mercy of it. I'm saying I get to be alive. I can make different choices. Any one of us can get out of this thing at any time. You know, you can opt out. I've thought a lot about opting out, and I just like, no, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to stick around, and sometimes the only reason I can think to stick around is because I like the food, I like the people, <laughs> and the clothes are awesome. <laughs> you know, so there's I'm awesome. going to take I'm going to stay in this party one more time, and sometimes yeah. it's just like Oh, this is like that's like a bad movie. This is a really fucked up movie. It's terrible, But I'm into it now. I gotta see how it ends. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever it right. takes to sort of get me in the mental spot of like, oh, I get to be here. Yeah, I'm curious. I wonder what this day's gonna bring. I wonder what lesson I can learn. Like I've really started to say like this is school.
0: And when this we is let recess, Noah, play. like yeah, our attachment to, you know, I mean this this has taken something in my life is like really recognizing there is no past. And that, I mean, we should do a whole nother podcast on that, but like to really stand in that, that the past doesn't exist, that all the past is now are thoughts and memories. And you're the one that gets to propagate that or not. Mm -hmm. Like I I caught myself one time, I've moved around a lot and I had moved to New York, to uh, Salt Lake City again. I hadn't lived here in 15 years. And there were these familiar conversations popping up around me about me and I was like, I was struck by the reality that the only way they would have known that is I had to have been the one to say it. Because these are all new people. Yeah. They didn't know me 15 years ago. They didn't know me 10 years ago. And so if that was still showing up around me, it was because it was coming out of my mouth. And to just check myself, like, do I want to just keep dragging those stories from the past forward and keep telling them again? Because these people had no idea about that until I'm the one that told them. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was a big aha moment. But is really like, I get myself stuck in like, expectations of being consistent, or I have to show up a particular way. And and I love my life and I love what I do. But even in this last year, I shouldn't say but, and this last year, year and a half, I've been really looking, you know, I'm 12 years into my practice. I don't want to just rinse and repeat for the next 25 years. Like what else is there? What else? Do I want to, and And it's in giving myself the permission that I could drop my medical license and I could do something completely different just knowing that that's possible, that I could completely reinvent my career. I could completely, re- I mean, I am moving to New York. I am going to reinvent what my external environment, I'm going to be close to family for the first time in 20 years, you know, willingness to do that. Cause I'll even get kind of mentally stuck in a rut of like, I just have to keep showing up the same way I always had. And the risk that it is. The risk. And I mean, that's I feel right. like this is tiny compared to what you've taken on in your life. But I know that we both have this, And we all can share this with each other is to encourage each other that your past is your past, but what do you want to create now? Now what do you want to create?
1: You're so right. And I think I'm glad you got to framing it as a risk because it's like, it's safe. That's what the rinse, wash, and repeat is safe. We're such as human beings. We're just such creatures of habit. Like we just want things to be predictable and safe. And we get in these ruts and that transformation, whether it's, you know, giving up your medical license or moving to n- New York or, you know, whatever, like whatever your risk tolerance is, you know, or, you know, an aversion to risk is like, it's real because it's like to stop doing something and do something new is that transformation we talked about. You're leaving something known and going to something unknown and it's scary. Yeah, and And yeah, we can do that, but we've got to build up to it. You know, it's like, we've got to, I think we have to you know, continue to exercise these muscles of like doing things that make us feel uncomfortable. That's how we grow. I mean, I, yeah. I, I believe, I love Ram Dass and his documentary Becoming Nobody. And he just says like, this is school, you know, we're in school. We, we incarnated in this life to learn something. Our souls came and took on this this particular skin suit in this particular life, and we're doing this to learn something. And I believe that. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but I think it's an awesome metaphor. It's probably just a metaphor, but it works for me. Yeah. And so I'm here to learn. And so every day I learn. And like, how do you learn? Well, guess what? You get out of the unknown. Like, how do kids learn to walk? You know, getting up and doing it and falling, and there's some risk. But it's like, but... You know, they've got parents around them and just like, you know, make sure those risks aren't catastrophic. So I'm a big fan of like doing these experiments, like getting in the habit of like finding something you're scared of. And we all know the different types of fear. Yeah. You're not going to walk out. I'm not talking about walking out in the street and, you know, not checking where you're going. But the fear that sort of says like, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I hate that word shouldn't. Mm -hmm. I wish someone would tell me what purpose. And that's all. Shouldn't is just from shame. But I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. Like when we hear those voices, I'm just getting more and more in the habit of going, oh, that's that same talk track. And oh, yeah, I know how to do this. That's wrong. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go into that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that thing. And sort of like because that voice doesn't seem to be all those voices like this is part of me learning to live love myself i think we're in school what to learn what are we here to learn we're here to learn to love ourselves why are we here to learn to love ourselves because we can then ultimately learn everybody love everybody and everything but we have to start with ourselves yeah and so that's what and that means like we have to move into those dark places and those fears and do it in a way that you know take these experiments try these things i mean I remember the first time I went shopping at a store and bought a skirt. I remember the first time I wore that skirt on a public bus. I mean, I remember, it was like, I was terrified. Yeah. Every step of the, first time I went out in makeup, first time I went out in a dress, first time I went to a restaurant, first time I went to Nordstrom alone, the mall, you know, or drove across the country in world clothes. Like all of these, I was absolutely terrified to do ahead of time. And I did it and I was like, WTF? Like, why was I scared? <laughs> yeah, you know, There is real risk and, there. And there are. I mean, and there's you, real risk.
0: You in particular and, and the trans population has yeah. to deal with major, major physical risk. Potentially. And so I had
1: to pay attention to that. And, yeah. and, and thankfully my, my wife and some good friends were like, hey, look, you you lived as a male. You don't understand the privilege you have and you need, need to be safe. And I understood that. And I understood.
0: That was part of girls school too. Part of girls really school discover, was
1: realizing yeah. that like, oh shit. I was part of a very small group of people that were privileged enough to be able to walk out their front door and not have to give a shit whether they were safe or where they could go and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I had to learn the opposite. Yeah. So I'm not talking, I'm not talking, that's why no. the experiments are important yeah. and doing this with friends and doing it in a safe container. But testing those voices, like proving those voices wrong yeah. in these like little safe experiments I can't wear that dress. It doesn't, you know, wear the dress. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's friends in the backyard, you yeah, know. Right. You know, so it's like very low risk. Uh-huh. So to continue to, so that's, that I just love to to encourage people to take some risk. And so I've, I've tried to bring like all this stuff into my, this, this, you know, nascent personal stylist business yeah.
0: that I'm yeah. building and yeah.
1: and shopping and love having people come to Nordstrom and visit me and help them find fragrance or makeup or clothes or.
0: And we'll make sure your Instagram is in our show notes and people can awesome. follow you and track awesome. you. And yeah, yeah I can't wait till, you know, I mean, I know you're doing it through Nordstrom right now, but I already can see the the transformational personal stylist, you know, and what, the, I mean, it, it is, it's, it, I worked with a colorist one time and we did yeah. five hours together and that shifted things both externally and internally. Old scripts I had about like not looking good or not feeling good. And she's like, honey, you're just picking the wrong colors. And I was like, oh, light bulb. I mean, it was like such a small, and then a whole new world opened up for me about, you know, from that that moment. And it, it does matter. I do a lot of work on people's insides, yeah. their biochemistry and detoxification and, you know, balancing hormones and all of that. But it, there's, I really believe, you know, an equal and opposite importance on how we get to show up in the world because that's so much of our, and and to be able to be creative with how we show up in the world yeah. and play around with it and do different things.
1: So just enroll yourself in girls' school. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's, like, find people. Find people who, you know, can teach you this stuff. Yeah. I'm not good at makeup. Okay, well, contact me. I work with, like, about six people that are, are the most fabulous makeup artists, yep. like, ever. You know, like, get you, talk to your friend who's a colorist, you know, like put yourself through school. Don't just say, I can't do yeah. this. Well, that's, you know, no, you can, of course you can learn it. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's stopping you is is that. So yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I, I love joy style. Those yeah. are, that's my brand. That's my, my mantra. The three most important things in I my life it. is loving everything and seeking joy, discovering joy wherever I can, and then finding our style, which is just like our personal power.
0: It's awesome. Corey Lovejoy, thank you so much for doing this. This was so special and I'm so honored to get to have you here. And I I just I'm I'm clear that you getting to share your story and make a difference in the trans populations and all of us. I mean, there's so much in here that's part of the ubiquitous human journey of just confronting who we are and being willing to take those risks to live congruent with our highest purpose, our soul's calling, the lessons we're here to live
1: all of it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well said. And it's been a very wonderful privilege to be here and an honor. And it's been a joy. Thank you. I love you, Sarah. I
0: love you too. Thank you.